Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 166, Minds Think We're Never Good Enough. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable and to our That's Just What Minds Do series. So we are on to the fourth episode around things that all minds do, not your mind, not my mind, but all minds, just just how minds mind. This is just what they do. And this one is how they think we're never good enough. Now, there's a lot of ways I've really tried to kind of pare this down. There's so many ways that this shows up, uh, so many ways it affects us. But I want to start by kind of staying consistent with the point of all of this, which is that there is one of the points anyway, which is that there's really great reason behind a mind doing what it does, a brain in particular, the machinery of a brain doing what it does. And I had to think about this one a little bit. So why would it make sense for our brain to constantly be looking for ways for us to improve? Like why, why would that make sense? Why wouldn't it be, why would it make sense for our brain to just say, oh, you're fine as you are. <laughs> we'll just leave well enough alone. Everything is okay. Um, and again, when I ask why it would make sense, that doesn't mean that it makes sense how this happens or shows up in our life right now today. Like there's a process here. What we're looking at is what minds do, not the output, not the content, not what they talk about or what they conclude or, you know, the, the output or any of that. We're looking at the process, the that, not the what. So it's not that it's helpful or rooted in intelligence that our mind is constantly, um, you know, telling us that we aren't good enough and never being satisfied. I mean, that's sort of the output of this process. But the process itself of, of looking for kind of how, how can I be better? How can I be better? What can I add? What can I do? That process has to be rooted in in some good reason, in some intelligence, because they all are. And I was thinking about how we talked about, again, in the, the first episode around worry, mind's worry, um, how it, it's so easy to see how worry is something that, that brains evolved to do. So the change in the environment is a huge part of this. So in, in a, and you've heard this a little bit if you listen to that episode, uh, but in a immediate return environment, which is where humans lived 200,000 years ago, they felt fear. They did something like got out of the way of an actual threat and they got an immediate return on their action. So there's an animal about to eat you, you move, you live. Immediate return. There's no more need for the fear. As soon as the animal's gone or you're safe or whatever, there's no fear. There's no anxiety. That would be anxiety. There's no worry. Will it come back? There's just a feeling, an immediate return, and then the feeling dissipates. And that's, we still have that. We still have fear that works through us in that way. And it's amazing. And it absolutely keeps us alive. 
But today, we just don't need that fear the way that early humans needed it because we don't have threats to our survival all over the place. So today, we live in what they call a delayed return environment where a lot of the things we sit and think about and worry about and fear, there's no immediate action to take, which is so helpful to see in in the way that we talk about things. There's no immediate action to take because there's no problem. We talked about this in the last episode that minds problem solve. Minds create problems and then they try to solve the problems they created. So there's no nothing to do because there's no actual problem. There's sitting around saying, oh no, I sure hope I don't lose my job someday. <laughs> I sure hope that everything's okay in my relationship or I sure hope that dirty look that that person gave didn't mean anything. Like we sit around and think about this, but there's no action to take because it's all just being created in our imagination. So it, there's we don't live in this immediate return environment. So I was thinking about this again in terms of how it would make sense that our minds think we're never good enough. And, and if you look at just the process, back long, long ago, the process was a, a brain looking for how to keep us safe, a brain constantly scanning for what really could be an actual threat to survival and a brain taking its, you know, making its task something like be safer, be safer, live longer. You need to be safer. You need to be safer so that you can live longer. Like that was the job of the brain. It's still the job of the brain, but we don't live in a world that matches that. So so even though our brain is still doing this be safer, be safer, live longer, it, it kind of falls short because we know that there aren't threats to our survival all over the place. So I think this is just kind of how this looks to me. You see what makes sense to you. But I think that process is just the conversation around that process in our minds has just morphed. We know, we're not walking outside looking at for woolly mammoths hiding in bushes. I have no idea if a, I guess a woolly mammoth really couldn't hide in a bush, could it? They're pretty big. But you get my idea. We're not walking outside looking for things that might actually kill us in this instant. But we are walking outside with our minds on that high alert mode. And and there has to be a story. Like thought will come up and create a story to make sense of what's happening. So thought comes up and says, oh no, what are you so worried about? Maybe something bad is about to happen. Or what could happen? What might go wrong? Or how can you be better? So So this is where this ties into the fact that our mind is always thinking we're never good enough. We're never going to be good enough. That that beating the drum of be safe, be safe, live longer has sort of morphed into be better, be better, live longer. As if it's a matter of survival that we somehow change, that we somehow become better than we are right now. Now, just even this be better obviously opens this giant can of worms because what the heck does that mean? Better than what? That our mind created, our mind creates, thought creates in the moment who it thinks we are and who it tells us we are as it is. So who we are is thought created. And now it's not good enough and we're supposed to be better. Again, it's kind of reminiscent of the last episode where a mind is creating a problem and then trying to solve it. In this case, a mind is created in all cases. A mind is creating an identity and then it's trying to better that identity. 
It's saying, okay, here's who you are, but that's not quite up to par or it's not as good as other people. Back to the comparison. It's not as good as it could be. It's not as good as you used to be. It's not as good as you want to be. So let's add something. I know. My mind loves addition. I know. Let's add some stuff. Let's do some stuff. Let's collect some stuff. Experiences, people, accomplishments, relationships, whatever. Let's do an ad and then you'll be better. And then then you'll be happier. And then you'll be more secure and then you'll live longer. And of course, none of it works. <laughs> and not only does it not work, it doesn't work because it doesn't need to because it's all made up. It's all just a mind chewing on a bone, running itself in circles. So it doesn't work because it doesn't need to. But it also create when we think that it works, you know, when we get caught up in the game of this, the hamster wheel of trying to do more, add more, be better, we all know it's really, really hard, really hard. It not only doesn't work, it can't possibly work, but it makes our lives really small and really, it really lacking a lot of joy. We don't let, we don't just shut up. <laughs> we don't just melt into what's here right now. We're caught up in this constant conversation of what's not yet, of what's coming, of what can be someday. You know, anytime, anytime time is part of the conversation in our heads, it's such a dead giveaway that, that we're, we're caught up in thought rather than here right now. And I know this can sound really cliche in everything about this episode, <laughs> really like, oh, you're good enough as you are. It, it kind of makes my skin crawl. I hate all this stuff that just sounds so cheesy and cliche and everyone said it over and over again. But I hope that you can hear how we're looking at this in a really different way, a much deeper. It's not like a refrigerator magnet, like you're good enough always. Like you actually are. <laughs> You, it's actually true, people. Like we really, really are. We cannot not be. And it's just so huge to see how it comes to be that we think we aren't. So time is a huge part of this um, good enough search that our mind is constantly on. Be better, be better. Even the word better, I mean, better is clearly a comparison, better than what, you know? So right away, you can see how, how all of these things that minds do are, are pretty much the same thing with just little subtle differences. But it's like that everything's so relative, be better than what? And often how it shows up is be better than you are right now. So when your mind is talking about how to better things for you, it's so that you can have a nicer experience someday. The mythical, magical someday, which we never, ever, ever arrive at. Someday is not a time. It is not a place. It is a thought. It is a thought that we will forever be outside of. Like we will never catch someday. It's not real. It's truly like just a concept and and I know we all know this, and at the same time, myself included, we act as if it isn't. You know, we really, we really do so much 
in our lives that make that feels like it makes sense in the moment for this someday place or this someday feeling. And when we look a little bit deeper, really, it is about the feeling. It's never about the thing. So you're not saving money today so that someday you can go on that trip you've always wanted to go on. You're you're doing whatever makes sense today because in your mind, someday out there, you're going to feel something and you want to feel that. And your mind has created this elaborate story about how it's going to show up on the vacation. <laughs> it's going to show up on that trip because <laughs> that's where that feeling is. It's in Greece or it's in Africa. Like that's where you're going to find that feeling. And it's not available to you today, but someday, if you do all the right things today, someday you'll be able to have the feeling that you want. I hope that as I say this, now again, I'm, we're all human. <laughs> like I do these things too. We do. We get, we're so conditioned out the wazoo for all of this. Like it's not going away anytime soon, but even to just hear it that way, look at all the things we do so that some fictional day in the future, which we'll never truly arrive at, and some experience or by way of some accomplishment or something that'll be added to our lives, some external thing that will somehow be added to our lives, we will get to feel a feeling that we think is not available to us in this moment. And that feeling, whether that feeling is available now or not, is not really the point. But our mind has created this big fictional story that that feeling is like the holy grail. It's the best thing there is. That's the, it's the feeling we want. And think about that. What we know, what I know everyone listening to this podcast knows is that everything comes and goes. Everything. You couldn't hold on to a feeling if you tried. And the more you try, which you would when it's a nice one, the more it, it just slips between your fingers, like the less you can hold on to it. So we do all of this under the guise of this big elaborate story that what we're looking for, which is always comes down to a feeling, is somewhere else. It's in some other place and time. And if we do all the right things, we'll earn it. And it's just kind of crazy, <laughs> kind of crazy making, and also just so incredibly human and so big to see. And and it's what minds do. And I believe it's what brains have evolved to do because because their task of keep you safe, keep you safe, keep you safe, that has no juice today because we're safe. So keep you safe has has morphed into get you better, get you better, get you better. And then of course we look out in the world and everybody's on board with that. Oh yeah, it is better to be better. You should be better. And here are the ways I can sell you to make you better. Like why would we think that things need to change? It would really look like things need to change when we live in thought. Think about this for a minute. So we live in this world of moment-to-moment thinking, moment-to-moment stories that are constant change, but we, we kind of miss that point because we get so hung up in the stories and how they're told in this linear fashion and they have, you know, a beginning and an end and all this meaning. So it doesn't look like the thoughts in our, that that we swim in change constantly, but of course we know they do. 
when we live in that and in that story and in that narrative with all these roots and meanings and dots connected and all of that, it, it, anything that's here in a moment starts to look like it's good enough or bad enough. Like, like, you know, everything has judgment attached. Everything has evaluation attached. So I don't like how I feel right now, or I don't like what's happening right now, but that's okay. I can, I can better it. Or I do like what I have right now. So I better work really hard to nail it in place, to keep it around, to somehow make it more secure so that I don't lose it. It's this constant chase when we live in thought. And I mean, we all live in thought, but when our identity is in the thought that's moving through us, it is so ever-changing that ironically, we're constantly trying to nail it down. And and our mind is right along on that ride with us because it wants certainty. It wants nail downable. Everything should be nailed downable to your mind. So, you know, the more it knows and it can nail down, the better. So when we live in that place, it looks like, yeah, like, like, it's just never okay right now. But if you can feel what's beyond thought, don't think about it. Just feel what's beyond thought. What's aware of all this thought coming and going? What's here right now? Not what are you thinking about, but just pick this very moment right now. There's emptiness. There's nothing really here. There's nothing that needs to be better. There's nothing that needs to be nailed down. There's nothing we're afraid to lose. There's nothing we need to add. So all of this, this constant chase, this constant hamster wheel, the someday search that our mind is constantly on is just what minds do. And they will do that but it is so incredibly, hugely important to see that they will never, you'll never arrive at someday. You'll, your mind will never say, okay, now I'm good. Now I'm done. I mean, honestly, if it does, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so short-lived. How many times have you finished a marathon or accomplished some giant goal, some massive goal, and you relax for like a minute? Really? Really? I mean, it, it does not take long before thoughts in there again, upping the ante on the next search. So this will never, ever, ever bring what it promises to bring because it can't. It can't. In what, what we all want is to feel that oneness, to know that we are not separate, to be back home. And thought will never get us there. It literally is impossible for thought to get us there. So. So it, it can't, we just cannot collect enough stuff to, to get that feeling for any length of time that, that we think we need. And it doesn't, it doesn't deliver what it promises to deliver because on some level we know that like what's been delivered is, is fleeting. So for example, if you think, um, oh, when I have that relationship, you know, when he finally commits or she finally commits, then everything will be great. And then they commit 
like you're sitting there at peace for a second thinking, oh man, I'm at peace because they committed. What if they uncommit? <laughs> like, what if their feelings change? What if their actions change? Like, so it, there's, there's no security in that ever, ever, ever. No security in getting what, we, what our mind tells us it wants, what we think we want to be okay. No security. In fact, not only is there no security, I think this is like the definition of anxiety. When things need to be a certain way out in the world, or what looks like out in the world, or in our feelings. I can't, ha- I can't feel that. I don't like this feeling. I don't want this one there. It is crazy making. It is the definition of anxiety and just feeling truly unsettled. And hopefully we've all had glimpses, if not more than glimpses, of the flip side, of truly deeply knowing that you are okay no matter what. I mean of knowing that you may be so grateful for your partner and your relationship. And if it ended, you would be okay. You don't want it to, but if it did, you'd be okay. Or whatever it may be, you could lose all your money. You could lose your health. You'll be okay. It is only a mind. Remember how minds create problems, all of them. If there's a problem, it's a thought that a mind created. So it could only be a thought you know, a mind creating a story that says, if this thing goes away, I'll feel this way. It just doesn't work that way. But man, these stories, I think some sometimes more than more than any, these stories of what we need to be accepted and approved of and okay and secure are some of the strongest because because our our humanness, our, you know, we we just they just feel so absolutely essential to our survival at times. That's how deep they go. So they, they can be tough stories to see through. But like, like we've talked about with all of these things and with, with everything I talk about, you don't have to pick through the stories. It's not about jumping in the content and seeing through the content. That's why we look at the process. That's why we look at, oh, this is just a storyline that a mind will always tell. And by the way, it's never true. That's just what minds do. And that's why we start to, we, we always look more toward feeling. When you feel horribly insecure or not good enough in this case or full of anxiety, you can know that your mind is chasing some someday thing, telling you that you're not okay now, but if you add this thing, then you will be you just know it as a shortcut. Like you just know from the feeling, oh, there's a lie happening that I'm caught up in. That's, that's when it gets really nice and really easy. Not that you don't feel it, not that you don't get caught up in it, but when the feeling alerts you to the presence of a mind telling you you're not good enough without even having to know or hear or just definitely without having to dismantle the story. Because why would you go to the effort of trying to dismantle something that isn't true and isn't real. I think it's important to, to um, tell a happy, end on a happy note. <laughs> and so to look at the benefit, honestly, like the enormous freedom that can come from seeing through this just a little bit even, just a, even just a little bit. So in this chapter in the book, I told the story of a client I had years ago one of my first clients who I worked with, and I worked with her for um, about six months, I think, maybe longer. Um, and she was the most classic, but most extreme, 
overachiever I had ever met. I mean, really, like the best degrees and careers and and colleges and trips. And she was a marathon runner and she volunteered all these hours a week. And, and she had the best life on paper. I mean, the most like impressive, if you were into those sort of things, you would look at her life on paper and think amazing. And not surprisingly, she was miserable, really, really miserable, super caught up in eating issues, anxiety, everything, because she never listened to she never felt how how life was living her beyond her mind. I shouldn't say never, but very rarely. She was so much in the story, so much in the hamster wheel of what's next, what's next. She, if, if you said, hey, what's here right now? There's nothing happening right now. She'd say, yes, there is. And she'd rattle off, you know, all the things happening in her mind. Like there was just no felt sense of what's there beyond a a mind constantly running in circles and putting out carrots for her to catch so that she could be better. And as I said, I mean, it, it thankfully, uh, she couldn't keep doing this for much longer. And she ended up um, with the issues she had, which led her into a bigger understanding, into this kind of conversation and a much bigger understanding of things. And as she started to see this, that things, first it was little, like things are not going to fall apart if your client doesn't praise you. She was a lawyer and she was always getting accolades at work and moving up and becoming partner really young and all of that. That was all super important to her mind. And that's who she thought she was. So just little things. Like if they don't praise you at the end of a day, I'm not even talking about if you don't get the promotion. (laughs) I'm saying like if the client doesn't praise you at the end of this day, nothing happens. It's okay. And she couldn't let that in early on. If you go out to do a 10-mile run and you stop at nine and a half because because you twisted your ankle, the world's not going to explode. Like you, nothing bad will happen to you. That kind of stuff. It was at that level. It's so completely foreign. I mean, it was really hard for her to just lean into that and see it because she had been led around by, by a mind on a treadmill forever. But little by little, she did start to see that. And, and, you know, like it's the case for a lot of people, it took a lot of suffering to really get her to look, to truly, truly look. But once she started to look and not just listen to what I said as and hear the cliche in it, but to truly look for herself and see, oh my gosh, my mind is constantly talking about these things. And what if that's just a machine talking? Just what if? What if None of this is actually doing anything for me. And then looking for herself. And that's the thing. I mean, she saw this all over the place. She would she would make these amazing, like meet these amazing goals, accomplish these huge things she set out to accomplish. And she was never satisfied. Never. Not even for like a short period of time, unfortunately, in her case. She went to see the Northern Lights on this giant, giant trip. And she remembers like in their full glory thinking, okay, well, this wasn't it either. I mean, she couldn't even begin to enjoy what was unfolding right in front of her. And and so she, as she started to have 
I guess, the courage or the insight or the vulnerability to really look for herself. Again, not just hear this as cliche, but look for herself. Like, are you actually getting what your mind is promising? And she saw for herself that she wasn't. Things started to unravel pretty quickly. And it was so cool, so amazing to see how much her life changed. Now, it didn't change overnight, but I stayed in touch with her. And she went from being this high power attorney who um, you know, was a partner in a firm and volunteering and running all the time and had all these physical ailments because she did these super long runs and um, to eventually quitting her job. I think she she had children, she got married and had children. So she stayed home with her children. She was restoring these old farmhouses. She didn't go on these big, fancy trips, you know, Instagram worthy trips. Uh, but she found so many other things that she loved to do. She'd go for like one mile jogs, which in her past life would have looked like the biggest waste of time there was because it wasn't, you know, upping the ante and beating some goal. I mean, it just was really cool. And this is over a period of, of probably five to seven years. But to see that ball start to roll in the opposite direction just by her feeling into what was there beyond all the demands, her, all the promises her mind was always throwing out, all the carrots she had always just blindly gone toward. It's really, really cool. So rewarding. So, so different. Like, regardless of what your life looks like on the outside, her, I just know, her experience of life, oh my gosh, like completely, completely different than it had been. And that's, that's what we get, you know, she still suffers and has happy days and sad days and all of that. That's none of that is ever going to change for any of us, truly. Like we, we are just going to keep on being human, but to be able to be okay with that and not be outrunning it or trying to secure things and nail things down so that we're okay someday, you know, to, to, just drop the whole someday story, even if it's a little bit more than we currently have, and just be in this moment. I mean, it's, it's indescribable what a difference it makes. And your mind won't get this. It won't stop the search. It won't suddenly someday tell you, okay, you're fine now. You're good enough. But you have to look in another place. You have to look beyond the mind. So this isn't about getting our minds to, to stop putting us on these hamster wheels and, and wanting more and better because that won't happen. It's about every, all of these conversations are, are is about seeing our mind do what it's doing. Oh yeah, that's just what minds do. And then just being less interested, naturally, naturally less interested because why would you be? All minds are having that conversation. None of us are getting what our mind promises. Why keep, why keep tuning into that? You know, look for ourselves like Bethany did, like my client Bethany did. Look for, our, look for yourself at what's here now in this moment beyond all of that. That's how, that's how we get free of it. And that's how, that's how we come to see it in a really, really different way. My new book, Just a Thought, will be out in 11 days on October 1st. 11 days. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. So on October 1st, I'm having a party to celebrate. 
It's a totally free book launch party where I'll share some of the inside scoop about the book and I'll be giving away some amazing party prizes, like five free seats in the Just a Thought book club. It's a $299 value. Book club's going to be incredible. It's a way to walk through the book with me, with a bunch of other people and just see it in a really inside way. So RSVP for the book launch party at dramiejohnson.com slash launch party. And again, that's happening on Friday, October 1st, the day the book is out. I hope to see you there.